I want to talk to you about the importance of praying that God will give you awe or wonder or amazement. Asking God to maintain a childlike awe at the things He has done and the things you're living. You know, it's so easy to lose our awe. Very often we might either have it taken away or think that somebody else has a better life. Any time I spend on TikTok makes me immediately think, um, my life is not as exciting as these people's lives. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever been online and then, and then there's this guy and he's got a hundred million dollar mansion and he's got a different Ferrari for, for each day of the week, a different color, you know, and all of that. Uh, but thankfully, TikTok has been around long enough to have that guy's mansion repossessed. <laughs> and the people with the Ferrari asking for their cars back. And you know, we, we might so easily be teased and, and tricked by the enemy into thinking that there is a better life for us than the one we're living in such a way that we lose the awe and wonder and amazement and joy and celebration of what we have. And there's a danger to that because nothing is quite as it seems. Everything is filtered, edited or changed. But the only thing that is real is the life you live. And you've got to learn to celebrate it and be in awe over it and be grateful. We've lost gratitude so much in the world in which we live in. And we constantly live a comparing life. In fact, there are entire programs out there who just tease people for how much they edit their lives. The unedited photo versus the edited photo where things curve where they shouldn't curve, including the door and the wall. And you must edit wisely if you're going to edit. The Bible is full of, of this idea that we should be restored in our awe and wonder. Even the psalmist, David, in Psalm 51, he asked God to help him remember how wonderful it is to be saved. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When you don't have awe, wonder, joy, you lose the energy to be sustained. It's hard to get up and get going when you're not excited about anything that you're expecting for that day. God has to restore that to us. It's not a relocation of geography. It's a relocation of attitude. Ecclesiastes chapter seven says, it is good that you take hold of one thing, righteousness, and also not to let go of the other thing, wisdom. For the one who fears uh, and worships God with awe-filled reverence will come forth with both of them, wisdom and righteousness. Do you know, you can even worship God without awe. The words just come and the awe of it is so easily lost. One of my prayers as I get a little further down the journey of my faith, I've stopped saying age. I used to, I've been saying as I age, I, I don't know what that's all about. I refuse, I, re, I refuse to age, but I'm quite happy to go further down the road. Can we just have an amen? Yes, I'm just going further down the road. You can come join me if you want. Well, whether you want to or not, you're going to join me. Um, <laughs> I'm getting all these invitations from my school friends to their 50th party, birthday party. I'm thinking, why? But, 
I, I, want, I want to encourage you uh, that as you go further down the road, that you don't lose the awe of where it started and how far he's taken us. And even David, the psalmist, although he's become king at the time of the writing, has to remember, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I mean, the day, there was a day, there was a moment, and it was the spark and the start, and it was supernatural. And I want to be in awe of that all over again. Right through to the book of Revelation, we're reminded not to lose our first love. And it's tempting to think that we can pay the problem away by buying something. And it's tempting to think that we can change our circumstances and that that would give it to us. But wherever you go and whatever you you do, your discontentment will follow you unless you ask the Lord to give you a joyful heart full of awe and wonder. The Bible reminds us that we should approach faith like the faith of a little child, so easily amazed and in awe at everything. Later on, you get a bit of life experience and sometimes that life experience can make you a little sour or to use a more modern term, a little salty. Speaking of salt, some years ago, I made a fatal mistake. Well, fatal is a bit dramatic. I made a crucial error. I'd had some friends invite me to a braai for our international community. That's a barbecue done with actual fire. Not on gas. Gas is the Instagram version, apparently, of a braai. And my friends jokingly said, "Um, would you like to do the braaiing? I thought I was pretty good, but I'd forgotten that I was in an Afrikaans home. And in an Afrikaans home, it's always a joke when they ask you if you would like to do the braai. They don't mean it. Because they know they're better at it than you. They were saying it to be funny. And I didn't catch the joke. I did what we do in my home. Now I know that this next statement is going to make some people very sensitive. But I want you to just be patient. We're going to get through this together. I took the meat, went for the salt and pepper and salted, spiced the meat. I didn't know that in some families, you don't put the salt on before you braai. You put it on afterwards. That was in their home. I have a feeling that I've got more people in the room though who agree with me that you should put the salt on at the beginning. Should we be bold enough to take a poll. How many of you think that meat should be salted before it's put on the fire? Hands up. About half. How many of you think afterwards to taste? Not only is it less than half, which makes me wonder whether the rest of you think there is an option C, but some of you put your hand up for both. We're not preserving the meat, we're eating it. And some of you aren't going to put your hand up no matter what I ask. But the shock and horror, because in their house, that's just not how it's done. In our house, it was done another way. To maintain your awe, you have to ask yourself one fundamental question. How is it done in his house? That's why I started in Psalm 27. Oh, they might dwell in your house. 
to enjoy the majesty and reverent awe of your ways. You've got a way of doing money, but God has a way of doing money. You've got a way of getting through each day, but God has a way of getting through each day. You've got a way of dealing with anger, but God has a way of dealing with anger. You have a way of dealing with unforgiveness, but God has a way of dealing with unforgiveness. And the way that you maintain your awe and reverent worship is to ask yourself, not just what would Jesus do, but to ask Him, how is it done in our house, Dad? If you keep doing it the way it's done in your house, or you try to copy how it's done, in somebody else's house, you will permanently live in an attitude of discontentment. It won't be enough and it won't be the same as somebody else's. What's weird is that we live in a world that the people you're admiring and want to be like are looking at you, admiring you and want to be like and neither are happy. True happiness is when we look to God and we see how He does it in His house and we say, as it is in heaven, so shall it be here on earth also. May my house be an expression of my Father's house because in my Father's house are many rooms and I want to stay in one of those. You have to renew a sense of awe about these things in your heart. We have to love the church all over again. We have to love family all over again. We have to love our city and our country all over again, wherever you are. We have to love the Word all over again. It's common that everything loses a little bit of its shine. It's normal. But what's most powerful is to push through that, get to the other side and say, the Lord has sent me times of refreshing from the Spirit. I don't know if this person is listening. I might get into trouble for the next example. I'm definitely going to get into trouble for my next example. But I'm famous for getting into trouble. Um, with the mic. Years and years ago, I had baptised a friend in their pool. He had asked me to baptise him and he introduced me to his spouse, his wife, who has since passed on. An older couple. And he said to me, this is my, is my wife and uh, she's not really into God. But, but, but she's quite okay to meet you. And so we met, we had a conversation. And afterwards I got in the car and as I was leaving, I said to him, that was awkward, baptizing you at home and a spouse is not into God. How, how, how do you navigate that in your head and your heart and, and be so full of joy? And he said, George, because I made a mistake years ago. I was previously married. I cheated on my wife with this lady whom I married. And I said to the Lord, I will not make the same mistake ever again. I have learned to find joy out of my mistakes because God is my provider. And it changed my heart. I realized, don't chase happiness. Grow it. Don't chase it. Don't look for it in somebody else's spouse, somebody else's business, somebody else's circumstance. You may not find the happiness you're looking for there. Grow happiness in your heart so that you too can say, whether I have everything or I have nothing, Paul says, I have learned to be content 
And I know how to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I started out by saying one thing. I emphasized one thing. It wasn't to get production, to put the words on the screen. I wanted to emphasize it because the rest of our conversation is going to be devoted to five times the Bible says just one thing. One thing above other things. One thing that anchors everything. One thing that, that sets my tone every day. And I want to encourage you to emphasize this, these one things, things in your life also. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, has a one thing I love. It says this, but if serving the Lord, I want to say this to the whole world at the moment. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to the rest of the world, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you've arrived, but as for me, and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do you know, it's incredible. What he's saying there is you met a lot of gods while you were in Egypt. You discovered a bunch of gods while you were traveling through the wilderness. Now you're confused about which one's the right one. There's an attitude of confusion from choices in the world at the moment. Everybody's not quite sure uh, and, and look, uh, having choices isn't fulfilling. Picking something and consuming that is what's fulfilling. The fact that the, a restaurant has menu items doesn't fulfill me. The fact that I've picked something that meets my need out of that menu item, that's fulfilling. And this is what Joshua is saying. Look, you guys are confused. You're not sure the gods of Egypt, the gods of, of the wilderness, or, or which one? He said, let me make myself clear. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's time for the church to say, we understand that there is a world full of choices. And if it seems undesirable to you to follow the Lord your God as one God, then choose what you want to do. But your choice or the fact that there are choices should not and will not limit the fact that I have made a choice and my choice is narrow. There is one God one Savior, one Lord and Master over all, one baptism and one faith. And His name is Jesus Christ. It seems strange to me that that's become a problem. And yet we ask people to choose one thing all the time. Choose one wife. When they don't, then KZN, we lose our minds. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why it came up on my timeline the other day. I know why. I saw an episode of The Real Housewives of Durban. Research. <laughs> on how to love the city, not how to... One thing I consider. Number two, one thing I forget. A lot of discontentment, loss of awe takes place when you ever hold before you grudges and frustrations in front of you. You can't even be at all when also you hold before you your best day being someday in the past. I get so frustrated personally when people say, high school was my best time. I can't even remember high school. 
And it was just the other day. Stop saying high school was your best time and then when you graduate from varsity, you say varsity was your best time and then when you uh, get promoted into management, you go, well, you know, those early days was the best time and then you become the CEO, you go, you know, it was so much nicer when you were just in management and then you own your own company, you say, well, you know, it was much nicer when I worked for someone else. Why is your joy behind you? And all in front of you, you see our giants. There's a reason why the rear view mirror is smaller than the windscreen. Keep just a little cursory glance at history to learn from it. But put your eyes on the road in front of you. Joy comes in the morning. (laughs) Philippians 3 says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it on my own yet. But one thing I do, one thing, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. Your awe is lost when you think the best days are behind you and we forget that the best is in front of you. Whatever God has in mind, it's better than 2020, 2021, 2019, 2018, 26. It's better, it's better, better, better. I think I've already shared this for our churches elsewhere. Uh, I live um, in an urban setting. I live in, in, in the middle of town in a lot of ways. And I can see across the bay to the Kuka Harbour on a clear day. And when I first moved there five or six years ago, Kuka was just a glow of lights like you see in a, in a town or Dorpi far away that you're driving towards. You see a glow of lights. You say, oh, that's that town. Now, I can see not only lights for days, I can see the cranes, I can see factories, massive factories that I can see 30 kilometers away. And regularly I stand on my balcony and I pray for our city and I think this city's best days are still coming. Its messes will clean up. Young people want to make their way here to raise their kids here, to come to church here, to build a future here. Its best days are yet to come. Mind you, if you live in Cape Town, you should say the same thing, that the best is still to come for PE. I mean, I mean for Cape Town. That was just a rude joke. Very rude. I'm sorry. I take it back. I'm sorry. Number three, one thing I remember. Isn't it interesting how we've been trained to remember the negative and not remember the positive? That's why we put communion out at all of our churches. Because whenever you want to, you ought to go to that table and you ought to remember the joy that came from your salvation. Could you bring to memory the right things? Galatians chapter two. They asked only one thing when the disciples talked to one another, that we remember the poor, the very thing I'm also eager to do. You know, one of the best ways to be in awe is to remember that somebody else is fighting a tougher fight than you and somehow have a smile on their face. Excuse me. I think of Andres and Talana this morning who are celebrating their 19th wedding anniversary and she is 30 days away from finishing her seventh round of chemo for cancer. But there is a photo with a smile on their faces and a logging in this morning and a good morning. And it makes me be at awe of the goodness of God 
because somebody else might need me to lift their hand up. And it can't just be about me and my happiness. Excuse me. We become very selfish. We want it to all be about me. The church must make me happy. And the boss must make me happy. And my wife must make me happy. And, well, that would be nice. And my, this must make me happy and that must make me happy. But perhaps this might be the most shocking part of my message. This really isn't about making you happy. It's about asking that fundamental question we started with. Lord, are you happy? Are you happy with me as a husband? Are you happy with me as a boss, an employee, a church member, a brother, a sister? Are you happy with me? Can you shake yourself loose from this weird idea that if I can make myself happy, it'll make the world a happy place. It just, just really won't. Number four, one thing I testify. John chapter nine. We can get so bogged down in whether the gospel is true and Jesus is real and all of that. We can argue the pros and cons. We're having a great time doing it in the evening service over hot sauce. I've had hot sauce sent from America for this Sunday night. Pray for healing, saints. John chapter nine says, then he answered, the blind man said, I do not know whether he is a sinner separated from God, but one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I can't answer all the questions of the theology, eschatology, and genealogy of faith. I can't answer all the questions about what should happen to the people in the Amazon forest when they die and haven't heard about Jesus. All of those questions and whether the Bible has all the books it should have or is deliberately omitting some. I can't answer all of them. I can make an attempt at some of them. But one thing I can say, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was in darkness, but now I walk in light. And I have the right to tell you what my story is without you editing its truthfulness. It's my story. You should perhaps recount the story of your faith as a reminder. And then finally, one thing I need, it awakens the awe. Luke chapter 10 and verse 42 says, but only one thing is necessary. Jesus talking to these disciples, Mary and Martha, having chosen different paths. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which will not be taken away from her. The two sisters were serving Jesus, except the one was running around in the kitchen and the other was sitting at his feet. And maybe you've lost the awe of faith because you're running around so much that you've lost the childlike sitting at the feet of Jesus to awaken the awe again. I'm often guilty of this. I do things for the Lord and forget to get to know the Lord. I want to remind you that there is nothing else you need that you can't find in Jesus Christ. You don't need a drug to fill an empty space. You don't need more money in the bank account to find your happiness and you don't need a different city, partner or place in order to be at your best. You need to be firmly rooted on the foundation of Jesus Christ 
in fellowship with our Heavenly Father, filled with the Holy Spirit and answering the question all the time, how do we do it in your house, Dad? This one thing I ask of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to delight in His majesty and grandeur, to meditate on Him in the temple. Could you say amen to that? Would you stand with me as we pray? Just as I'm about to pray, I'm not sure our churches, whether they're handling the end themselves. Um, I'm going to do a poll on my social media platform. I'd love to hear your response. Um, and then we're going to pray. Uh, the poll is on service times versus number of services. We've been debating this and I'd like to hear from you before we get to winter. It's either stay at 8 and one day add a, a 10, 8.30, 10, or go to 9 and add more seats. Like up to 3,000 seats is what we can. Love to hear what you think. Go to 9 and add as many seats or stick to 8.30 because we're going to need to add another service sometime soon. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you awaken the wonder and awe in us. Thank you, Father, that when the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we are wise to his ways. We will not lose the joy of our salvation. Today we ask, will you renew it again? Will you teach us the simplicity of asking the question, how do we do it in your house, Dad? And then bring that to bear in our world so that we can say as it is in heaven here on earth also just as I'm about to wrap up before I say my final amen while everybody's eyes are closed and please don't tap out yet online have you crossed the line and become a follower of Jesus Christ not just a spectator or an inquirer but a follower you do that by saying I get it I am incomplete and need to be born again because I'm a sinner broken by birth and by action and I need Jesus to renew and restore me. I invite Him to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. Carry me across the divide that separates me from God. And if you'd like to do that, just pray the simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for sinning against you and ignoring you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving for that?